Hello, guys. I'm Ethan Woodworth. I am back again with another episode of the Stoic Stopping Podcast. And today, I'm going to start this one a little bit different. I'm going to open this with a quote here. Unfortunately, CNBC reports that about 80% of active managers underperform the general market. This saddens me as most individuals' retirement savings are sitting in these funds, and they aren't fully aware of this underperformance, which is costing them large sums over their lifetime. I have seen this firsthand when many people I know pay a quote-unquote professional financial advisor to manage their money by putting it into these underperforming active funds, which also charge an additional fee. Witnessing this blasphemous behavior was a major driver for me to start Matrix Capital, written by Andrew Marasco, end of 2023, start of 2024, owner and CEO of Matrix Capital. Introduce yourself, my friend. Hi, guys. I am Andrew Marasco, as uh, Ethan just beautifully introduced me. Uh, I'm super happy to be here. Ethan is Ethan's the best guy I know, so when he asked, I, of course, said yes. Yeah, I'm the founder and CEO at Matrice Capital. Um, we are It's a hedge fund investment fund. Um, and uh, what else? I like to think of myself as a philosopher as well, but mostly known for the hedge fund thing. And... What do you do? What exactly is this hedge fund? I, I don't. I don't know these business terms. <laughs> so, so should I take us back? Should I take us back? T- take it back. Yeah. Take it back to where you want. So this all started end of senior year, right? We're all we're all trying to figure out what do we want to do with our life. What do yeah, we, I don't know. Maybe I want to. For a little bit, I thought I wanted to go into politics. Glad I didn't do that. I thought history um then eventually stumbled upon business and then finance within business and started getting into the crypto world um definitely a great learning experience on to what about what is not value and what is not a reasonable way to make your living in a logical way then eventually stumbled upon warren buffett charlie munger the guys along those lines the value investors of the world and they spoke to me um and I read The Intelligent Investor by Ben Graham, which a lot of people say if you read that book and it speaks to you like the Bible might speak to a uh, a Christian, it uh, it might be a sign. And uh, so I've run with it since, started investing and uh, done well and realized I could potentially do this for a living. So now I've taken on about eight client accounts and yeah, just trying to grow, go from there trying to improve the lives of my clients and yeah you know you i go. read the intelligent investor yeah and i think it was my freshman or sophomore year of high school yeah and i had i had no clue what i was reading <laughs> but like the briefs after every chapter were extremely beneficial like they gave they put it into plain language they put ben graham's original words into like plain english yeah yeah ben graham the 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 dean, the original, the OG value investor. I'm actually uh, reading security analysis right now, which is his like more intense like textbook, really nitty gritty uh, one. Okay. And he's yeah, he's he's the best. He taught Warren Buffett. He's the OG. I didn't know. So he taught him was Buffett. You know, twenty years younger. So he was him? at he was he's a Columbia professor, and he was running the Graham uh, partnership, which is similar to what I run now. And he was really the only person teaching this value method rather than the efficient market theory where markets are completely efficient 
uh, there's no way to actually outperform and do better. And Ben Graham realized that wasn't the case. And then Warren, I believe Warren got a full ride to go over there. Wow. And, uh, I think he, I think it was something like, this might be wrong, where he was the only person to get an A plus in Ben Graham's class ever. And then he offered to work for him for free after. And I think Ben said no. Um, but eventually worked for him. Interesting. interesting the rest stuff. is history. Yeah, I guess. I guess, man. It reminds me of like Lionel Messi, like the young prodigy. Like they, they just come up at like, 14 15 16 years old but like, yeah they're the truth <laughs> yeah <laughs> it pans out yeah seriously and 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 that may be you let's let's jump back into about that but. to your venture how much money do you have under capital or under under management so right now we are just over a million dollars okay um assets under management and i just pushed out our annual letter first year we did 35 percent which is good. We outperformed the S and P. Did about twenty five. Yeah, um, I think it was twenty four point something. Yeah. Re- reading your letter, I read it. Yeah. I read it. I read yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> um, and yeah, so looking to looking to raise more money for anyone who's interested, feel free to reach out. Um, but to be honest, we did outperform. But I am I'm not happy at all with how mm. we did. I I I feel like we left a lot on the table, and I. I'm uh definitely not satisfied in looking to do better in the future. How is your investment strategy going to change in 2024? The fundamentals don't change. Where um, you want me to run through the run, run, investment yeah, strategy, run through it, man? So I'm, I'm going to try to simplify it for yeah. um whoever's listening, which I assume is not a a super you know. Um, a CFA esque. Yeah. Uh, so I like to explain it. Like, have you seen the movie Moneyball? Yes, Brad Pitt. So my investment strategy is similar to the movie Moneyball. So in Moneyball, it's the general manager of the Oakland A's, the baseball team, and he has this team that basically has no money. Versus like, teams like the Yankees that have 10x the amount of money to spend on players. And what Brad Pitt realizes is all these guys got it wrong. They're all just trying to buy the players, buy the names for whatever price that may be. But the reality is you're your baseball team, you're trying to win games. And how do you win games? You get runs. Performance. You get statistics. runs. You get hits and you get runs. You get enough runs, you win games. That's more or less my investment strategy. I'm not buying the names. I am buying the cash flows and I'm trying to buy the best value for those cash flows, if that makes sense. So I'm not buying. So in the movie Moneyball, he got a pitcher for super cheap who was pitching, who was one of the best pitchers, but he threw weird. And because he threw weird, no one wanted him. So that's similar to what I do, right? I, I look at the stuff that no one wants. It's at, not sexy. At the present moment. Not sexy. Most people haven't heard of it. And I get it for very good prices, prices that, um, in the private markets, you wouldn't see. And when I tell people about it in retrospect, they don't believe it's true. But when I tell these same people in the moment, they don't buy it because it's out of favor. And that's the whole nature of the game. It's a contrarian game. It's a lonely game out here, but I love the game. So, And I feel like that's tough, though, because you have to have an ultimate conviction to say, I believe in this and a real possibility of being incorrect. Yeah. I think that's, that, that's what makes the job tough. Yeah. Well, 
downside protection is number one priority. Um, right. I have fiduciary responsibility to my clients to preserve their capital at all costs. So, so a lot of these companies, right, you have to go through the debt. You have to do all the work on the company to ensure that your conviction is true. You'll never know all the facts, but if you put enough work in, you can have conviction. That's also why I hold multiple positions because stuff always happens. There are a million things that can happen. There are black swan events that can change the world as we've seen, right? When you talk about COVID, COVID 08, dot com bubble, whatever. Um, so you really just got to put in the work and you put in the work and you have the conviction, you go for it. So what, since you haven't really matrix was founded when started it about a year ago. Okay. So you haven't actually seen, you know, a full cycle per se. Yeah. Seen it up and down. What starting out, what differentiates you as a young investor that hasn't seen those cycles versus let's say someone that's been in the game for 50 years that's seen the ups and downs. Yeah. So why you? So I fully understand that I have, I'm young, very young. Many people who I, many people have reached out looking to invest. And the second I say my age, they hang up the phone, (laughs) which is understandable, which is understandable. It's a little frustrating because not fully within my control. Um, What I will say is, I've, I've seen cycles in industries. I've seen cycles in business. I have, and I've studied most of the major bubbles, corrections when you date back to like the, the flower bubble in like a couple hundred years ago. What was that? Uh, it's like the, was it the deaf, the tulip? I'm blanking. I'm blanking. Some sort of bubble. Yeah. I mean, there's always bubbles. Um, and I, I think it really comes down to if you, when I look to buy, I look to buy with the humongous margin of safety. So I won't buy a business unless I have very high conviction that they that they won't go under, first of all. And I usually need at least 3x upside within the next couple of years. So I need at least a triple on my money. I'm not t- – if something's half off, I'm not touching it. If it's, if it's 20% off, I'm not touching it. It needs to be a huge margin of safety. So – if these things happen and we go into recession, right, the Fed hikes, interest rates, any of this happens, uh, the margin of safety is there where I still shouldn't lose money, even if sales drop, earnings decline, all that. So I cover my bases in that mm-hmm. way. And then we own multiple things in different sectors that might perform differently during different periods in the economy. But the truth is, right, I, I can't predict the future. No. So. But it seems like you're, you signal to me, which this is a good thing, that you're ultra conservative, but on the one hand, you're also outperforming the S&P index. So I feel like you're getting best of both worlds there. If I had, you know, 100K, aka your minimum investment for your fund, I feel like I'd, I'd, I'd put it with you, man. I appreciate it. I love the ultra conservative yeah. take. Yeah. Well, you have to be, you have to be. So a lot of times when people think about being conservative in investing, they think hyper diversification. And it is my opinion, which then reduces volatility. It is my opinion and most great investors that volatility does not necessarily equal risk and owning a bunch of companies that you might not understand that well does not necessarily mean you're de-risked, right? If you look at someone like Charlie Munger, 
multi-billionaire. He only owns like four companies. And wow. he'll tell you he's more diversified than almost anyone because he owns very high quality companies. He believes in them. <laughs> right. I mean, these companies are, a lot of these companies own other companies, but, but these are companies like Costco, like Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire Hathaway is like a whole market in itself. They do everything. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't believe that owning 50 companies that you kind of know is better than owning five that you really know have real good understanding that in these companies you have protection for your principal invested and meaningful upside. So with this, you kind of pick out these ones you believe in. How do you go about this process? Because in, in my financial accounting class, we talked a lot about the SEC and kind of going over their documents and looking over their cash statements and yeah. this and that yeah, and the balance uh, sheets and income SEC Edgar. SEC Edgar. Is, yeah. is that your main source or kind of what else are you using to pour over these documents? You know, press releases like Bloomberg. Yeah. What are you? So what I would say is I've over the past couple of years, I've created a lot of systems in place that will push me out ideas. Mm, um, that's real. And there are multiple different systems that I use. But for example, if I wake up in the morning and I'll, in my, in, in my inbox, I'll have tons of pitches that are pushed out to me that are vetted through value oriented newsletters and whatnot, which they, cause they've already gone through a filter process. And then I also will use different screeners online that'll screen based on different fundamental metrics. There are plenty of forums online. Twitter is a great place if you follow the right people. <laughs> X, X. Um, and I wouldn't assume that. And the re and the reality is that I've, I only find something I really, really, really like a couple times a year. So, right. So what does that mean? That means like one in every thousand or something. So you're going to say no to almost everything, which makes sense because I'm looking for these true anomalies. And that's hard, especially the people I know that sports bet. It's like, I'm not saying you're betting. I think it's, it's, it's different, but at the same time, like you're trying to find that golden horse and i feel like it's easy to get so wrapped up into something especially if you're hearing the same news getting spit back at you like all positive news like i feel like that i'd be like bye 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 yeah yeah i mean usually i mean usually for me right if, if we're looking for things that can highly outperform we're looking at the stuff that's sell 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 we're looking at the stuff that's overly hated <laughs> um Cause I mean, if you, if you track back through history, like when's the best time, right? You're, you're in real estate. Like when was the best time to buy real estate? Yeah. Right after 08. Exactly. Yeah. When, right. When everything, when the world was burning, yeah. like when was the best time to buy oil? 2020. Yeah. So, same powers. with real estate in 2020 when interest rates were the rock bottom. They were yeah. so for was yeah, zero. Right. But then when you're in that moment, no one is thinking that because no one stays yeah. level headed, especially when money's involved. So that's what I try to do. So like right now, like natural gas is tanking. I'm sifting through a lot of natural gas opportunities. You're not seeing me necessarily. I'm not sifting through really these AI companies that are like pre-revenue <laughs> trading for infinite, infinite amount of money. So if that gives you a sense, right? That, you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta be in this business. You gotta be contrarian, right? When everyone's running out of the movie theater because someone screamed fire, you're probably running in. Hopefully you don't get burned. I, I like I like that analogy. Yeah, and with this, 
when will you know it's maybe time to get employees under you? Like, I, I feel like you're doing quite a bit of work. Is there a point where you kind of start outsourcing some of the work? Or I, maybe have you outsourced any of the, the work? From my understanding, you're, you're a lone man in Matrix Capital. Yeah. I mean, it is just me. Um, shout out my father, Michael Morasco, best dad ever. He is, uh, he helps me with a lot of the accounting, which is, okay. which is super nice. And he's also, he's a businessman himself. So super, I, I talk to him whenever. And there are people that I talk to. What does, what does he do? So my dad was, uh, he ran the entrepreneurship center at Northwestern for about 15 years. That's right. And now he does commercial real estate. He does development, real estate development, and um, and he has a startup. Cool, but uh, that, yeah, and that's fun. Startups and development are fun. Yeah, cool guy. I love you, Dad. If you're listening to this, <laughs> uh, we might have had might have had some arguments over text today, but it's all good. Um, yeah, just to track back for uh, hiring people. I mean, when I say I have. I theoretically have all these analysts working for me who are pushing out all these reports for free. But what I would say is, first of all, if you look at someone like Warren Buffett, basically him doing what I've done is created about a trillion dollar company. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not turning on a trillion dollars right now, but it's on its way. Berkshire? Yeah, Berkshire Hathaway. And he doesn't have any analysts. Uh, he, I mean, rest in peace, Charlie Munger. He had Charlie Munger. Um, cause the reality is I say one, one in every thousand, right? So I would not want to hire someone and put them through that with me where they are constantly pushing me ideas and I'm constantly saying no. Mm, and it, cause be it comes down to, it comes down to me and it has to be my conviction cause I'm the one who's fund it is it's my responsibility to my clients. So I don't think it makes sense to hire analysts um, and I also, I think it's probably a net negative because it's then a lot of time involved with that versus the value provided versus my time being spent treasure hunting. Yeah. So I don't think it makes sense. Eventually maybe bring on some, uh, back office type people, but I don't think we're necessarily there yet, but I, I could be a back office type person. I think, I think you're going to, I think you're going to be doing what I'm doing not too long in the real estate space, my friends. So I don't know. If I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. We can stay, stay yourself, connected. I, I can yourself. funnel some, some clients to you and they can invest their, their earnings yeah. with you. And then, and then we got to go look at some, some crazy real estate that we, that we should go in and half season. We can, we can find some like super opportunistic, like development. And like, we just both believe in it, but we're both getting like 30, 40% returns and yeah, just go nuts. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm always, I'm game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually looking at a, I'm looking at a home builder right now. I'm not going to say the ticker, but cause you know, I'm not trying, to, <laughs> not trying to lead anyone on here, but yeah, the home building space is interesting. Um, yeah. you, you think are people kind of wary about it right now and low on it? And that's why you're, you're looking at it. Well, the home builder thesis actually has nothing, almost nothing to do with the cyclicality of it. It's, it's that there are multiple different models within the home builder business and there is one vastly superior model. And then most people don't use it. So the typical home builder, you think about it, they buy a piece of land and then they build all these houses and then they try to sell them. That's a very risky business and you're taking on a ton of, like, ton of risk, ton of liability. You're sitting on all this that capital right mm-hmm. and you're kind of just praying 
But then there's the other model, which was pioneered by this company called NVR. If you bought NVR in 2000, it's like a thousand X or something. Oh, you would have done, you would have done hundred X, maybe. Uh, so it's, you would have done better than if you had bought Apple in that time. Wow. See, and like, I would have never known that. Um, yeah. They, well, now you do. Now I do. That's why we're friends. <laughs> you teach me something new more often than I do. So there you go. Um, that's crazy. So basically what they do, it's, it's not the same model. What they do is everything's pre-sold. Mm. They don't build till everything's sold. And they also have, I'm a little bit confused. They have these options on the land where if they don't sell a certain amount, then they are able to give it back. So they're basically taking on no risk and, and they're able to construct these homes and then the best part about what they do, which is what the company I'm looking at is actually in the early stages of, is they all this excess capital is funneled back into share buybacks. It's not dividends, it's share buybacks. So they really believe in So so as a shareholder, they're able to build all these developments at no risk, continuously grow in that regard. Funnel and back. then they're able to shrink the share count. So you as a shareholder as they grow, you're also shrinking your share count, which means your earnings per share are growing. So it's kind of a compounding effect. So they bought back well over half their share count. Wow. And th that signals that. strong to investors like we believe in this company. Yeah. Well, especially if the stock is trading at a cheap valuation, right? So if you buy back half your shares, even if earnings stay the same, that stock's a double because your ownership in the company has doubled. Mm -hmm. So share buybacks are very, very... um interesting space that that i've been paying attention to more because i missed the coal trade coal has outperformed semiconductors over the past six months i was eyeing a couple coal companies <laughs> over the past year and i totally missed it and i, I thought you were talking about coals like the the shop coals but you're talking about coal like coal mining coal <laughs> yeah like coal. yeah yeah that kind of coal um <laughs> Because huh. these, these companies, for obvious reasons, due to environmental uh, concerns, similar to cigarette companies, trade yeah. at super depressed valuations, which is fair. But what some of these <laughs> coal companies decide to do, if you're trading at two times earnings, that means you can buy back half your shares in one year, technically. Yeah. So they started, some of these guys wow. started just funneling the money back in, and their, their stocks have skyrocketed because they actually woke up to... The reality is capital allocation, and there are better places to put your money necessarily than sometimes like overpaying for a coal mine or dividends. Because dividends you get double taxed on. Yep. So that's what they did, and wow, they've outperformed semiconductors, which have been the hot the hot place to be lately. That's that's interesting, man. And ra wrapping back to what you were saying about um, this home builder, my sister works in out in Arizona in Scottsdale. For a company called Walton, maybe it's Walden, Walton, Walton. It's not, it's not the, they literally, they just take the home builder's land and they keep it on their, um, they, they keep it as an asset to keep it off of the home builder's like sheet so they don't get all yeah, off their balance out of whack. And then they just try to find like investors for this land and the investors get paid out continuously <laughs> over you know, five, four years as the houses are built. Oh, interesting. So find yeah. investors, not people who are 
buying the property. No. Interesting. It's it's really – I, I think I'm explaining it poorly, but um, she's explained it to me so many times, but it's – they get, like, reimbursed throughout the period as the, if they invested early as the homes get put up. I was going to ask you, looking forward, we've talked about Matrice, 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 whatever you want to yeah. say. What are the goals for the future, you know, like, let's say five years – out from now 2029 where do you want this fund to be where do you want to be yeah so i spent a lot more time thinking about what my life looks like outside of business that's more important and i want you to know that that is more important and i will stand behind that i I think your life will if you can attain those things that you want you know, in your personal life, you'll have a better experience on this planet. Yeah, I 1,000% agree. And um, that's definitely that side of the that side of the game is definitely what's lacking. Well, they, everyone talks about balance, right? I don't balance. I don't. The I don't, big word balance, right? The life work life balance. Like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna act like I'm just gonna completely change my how I act and. And, you know, work, work the night, work a nine to five hour and then go home and watch Netflix for a couple hours and eat a bunch of shit food. Like that's like, I'm not going to act like that's what my life will look like, but I I do spend a lot of time thinking about, um, what family makeup will look like, what a wife would look like. Cause that is kind of what is, it's what, uh, it's kind of what I'm interested in these days, probably cause I'm lacking that, um, Italian babe, yeah, the 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 girl the girl the girl question is definitely an interesting one. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking about that. You know, I've been with some girls throughout the years. No one, yeah, I. They haven't they haven't lifted you up like a friend. I feel like for me in a positive relationship with a female, like it's 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 almost like she's one of the boys. Like she's lifting me up to be a better person and challenging me. In the same sense. Yeah. While also having, you know, the romantic side. Yeah. And I think a big thing, I actually had a conversation with someone about this. I'm not going to say who's dating a decently famous guy. This is a little bit ago. I can tell you about it after. Um, but she was having issues because he's working all the time. And I say, it's like, if you want to be in this guy's life, who's not, not the normal guy, right? Not working the normal hours, whatever. You have to realize that his his main goal is bigger than you, and that if you get in the way, you're probably going to get left behind. And I think that's mm. big, right? It's like the right girl motivates you, and the not the right girl distracts you. Yeah. And in my life, it's been distract, and as that is. That, uh, yeah, I don't really have any tolerance for that. So it kind of leads me to push those girls away in a very quick manner. Um, nothing against them. I'm just, uh, I mean, I at least, at least like to think I'm not the typical, typical guy. So, but I want you to know, I feel like there are girls out there that can compliment what you do yeah, like, for and sure. understand the, the work that you put in and understand your mindset and grind. Yeah. They're out there. Yeah. And, and eight billion fish. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, four, 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 yeah, four. <laughs> four point two or whatever it is. Um, yeah, no, I fully agree that I'm not gonna sit here and say like, I don't want a girl who's just like gonna bow down because that's just that's just silly. That's not. I'm yeah, looking for just, a girl who's gonna. I mean, Warren Buffett, one of my heroes, he says, he says, try to marry someone who's a little bit better than you and hope they don't find out too soon. And I fully agree <laughs> with that. Um, <laughs> that I like that. Yeah, which is I I fully agree with that, and there are definitely there are great girls out there, and I've met some of them, uh, and yeah, gets me. That's one of the things that gets me excited. Gets me excited, man. You're just full of Buffett quotes. I mean, I've learned more from that guy than that guy in Munger, and more than any. Any Harvard MBA, any years of schooling will teach you. Uh, yeah, I feel like if Warren Buffett's, you know, so deep entrenched in your life where you're pulling him up for uh, personal relationship quotes, yeah. that's when you know you're a business guy. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, I don't know. One of the, one of like the learning models I use is, is I look for people I really admire and I like study them, try to get in their head. And I do that with Buffett and Munger, like just countless hours. To the point where, like, you ask, like, I'm watching these these annual meetings, and I hear the question, and I know how the question's going to be answered. And I've done, I've tried to do that with a lot of people who I look up to, not just in the business world, because I think it's very, it's, it's, I mean, it's very, there's, it's been so many years before us, and so many learnings that people forget that you can kind of clone, cloning's one of the biggest models I use. You can clone the people from before and kind of put your own spin on it rather than just thinking that you have to learn everything yourself. Yeah. Cause it's probably been done before. Yeah. Everything's been done before. Right. Um, it's been, it's been plenty of people who have bought and sold pieces of businesses like I do. And there will be plenty after. Yeah. And I'm fully aware of that. So that, and that's like, a very deep realization. I feel like, because I, I'll give an example here. I'm reading a book. Um, it's about Richard Nixon through Ronald Reagan. I'm big into presidential history. Really? And That's this cool. is like, it's telling just about like the transformation from Nixon's presidency to Reagan's with a few presidents in between. And the shit that like people are complaining about and doing and thinking in the 1970s, it is exactly reflected in today's political and just world climate yeah. in 2024. Yeah. And yeah. like when I read the book and it's, there's heavily, it's a very well researched book with a lot of quotations parallels. Just, I can pull just straight up from 40, 50 years ago, which it's not going away. Yeah. And that's in every realm of, of, I think our lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very nice. change happens, but I, I want to say it's not as drastic as people think. Yeah. It's very naive to think that, Everything's so much better and new now. Yeah. I mean, you see it, right? I see uh, Meditations, Marcus Aurelius. Right yeah. Now. Banger. Um, <clears throat> right? Like, if you read a lot of the Stoics, for example, it's like... Same stuff. It's like they had our minds figured out way before, right? Way before. And, yeah. So, I mean, most of, most of what I've done to date has been just learning... Just like completely obsessing and learning over the people that were hyper successful in my space before and trying to copy in a way, you know, you put your own twist on it, but 
copying, I, well, it's called cloning, at least in, in my world, um, is, is something that everyone seems to have some sort of negative outlook towards. They shouldn't. Which they shouldn't. I mean, you see it in business. Um, like I was telling you about NVR, like this is a superior business model, the home builder. Oh yeah. You're only yep. seeing now decades later that some of these companies are copying what they're doing. Cause there's just some reason where people feel like they can't copy, but like, like if you take Microsoft, for example, basically every major product that Microsoft uses right now was a clone of some type. And it's, and you shouldn't take that. You shouldn't hear that and say, Microsoft's a fraud. You should hear that and say, it's not as much about the idea as it is the execution upon that idea. Mm. And that they're actually smart. They don't have to reinvent the wheel. They are the wheel. Exactly. I mean, right. You see it like, like when the chat GPT stuff came out, yeah. like they just bought half of open AI. They didn't go and try to build it themselves. Or you saw it with Amazon web services when yep. they released just the big cloud computing. If you guys don't know, Amazon a web services oh, is basically what is basically what makes Amazon most of their money while they lose money on all the stuff, you know, and allows them to do what they do because they have the AWS cash cow milking and money. Dude, we can, um, we can wrap this up. Do you have any other takeaways? Uh, we were talking about this before, but we both seem to have this similar belief. I don't want to speak for you, but that you surround yourself with people who you look up to in a way and who you want to be like. And we were saying like Ethan right now doesn't necessarily have like a business but he's has all these traits that I look up to and that I admire. And I think you're a much better person than I am. And I was watching your, your YouTube videos, um, where you, everyone should go check them out where you were, took your truck out West. And like, that's something that I, well, I wouldn't say I would never do. Cause right. Like we were talking about, you can't. <laughs> But that's like, that's total, that's, that's, that's very impressive and very cool. And I admire your ability to do that and to just live in the moment. Cause I, I, I don't think I ever am really able to live in the moment. And so I, I really admire you, man. Well, I'll, I'll reciprocate that, that energy back. And I, I love what you bring to my life. And I, I look up to you in the sense where you're an extremely hard worker and I can see that. And I like associating myself with extremely hard workers. And there's part of me that's in that ever debate of like, I just want to go adventure and truck camp and do stuff like that. But the other part of me is like, I want to create something that's special. And that's what you're doing. And that's what I look up to. And that's sort of, that's why you like the shoebox going to be around entrepreneurs. Yeah. It's the same sense of me wanting to be around people like you that are creating and doing and challenging. Yeah. I think that's a, it's a special thing. And thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to the future, man. Yeah. The unknown is, is super exciting. It is very exciting. Right? That's the perspective you have to take. I mean, right. Like if I woke up and all my dreams became a reality, that would be the worst thing to ever happen. Mm -hmm. Cause then what are you going to do? Right. It's not right. So it's exciting. You gotta, you gotta have that mentality. So I was reading uh, Dost Dostoevsky, who's like a Russian 
author, I think in the 1800s mm-hmm. sometime. And he was a wise guy. And yeah. he was like, if you gave somebody like a, a chair on a beach and a piece of cake every day, they would eventually go insane, like batshit crazy. Did they just want to break something? Yeah. Like a utopia would just never exist because yeah. humans just like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a thought experiment, <laughs> right? It's like if you could wake up tomorrow and have a trillion dollars, the most beautiful, white, like everything. Sure, it might be nice for a couple of days, but eventually, you're, eventually you're going to want something where you don't know the outcome, where you don't know what's going to happen. So if you think about it, the real dream is tomorrow, today, mm-hmm. what's going to happen? What's going to, what's that, uh, what's going to happen? Are we going to get into Da Vinci tonight for some pizza? I don't know. Hopefully. What am I going to order? Yeah, I don't know. What are you going to order? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll figure it out tonight, exactly. dude. That That's so awesome. Just being able to make decisions and being healthy, like, it's a blessing, dude. Yeah. So just, just take it and run with it and be, be happy. Yeah. Yeah, man. Dude, yeah, thank you for coming on and thank you for being a good friend. And I'm excited for all the growth in the future. Thank you, man. I'm uh, I'm excited to see what you're going to do next. And uh, yeah, exciting times. And uh, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Got it. We'll have to do it again, maybe. For sure. Cool. This is Ethan Woodworth here with Andrew Morasco. Thank you, guys. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace.